We often have people from MIT here, so I want to reach out to them with, the, with a reference to a number, just so they feel included. Would that be all right? Try to be inclusive. There were said to be 613 precepts of the law, and uh, rabbis debated which of, them was, which of those were foremost. And uh, so the scribe's question is neither a trick nor a trap. And, uh, of course, Jesus responded from that central text of belief of the Jews, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, 6th chapter of Deuteronomy, the 4th and 5th verse, uh, a declaration of faith in God, and uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is the Lord alone. And also the matter of internalizing that, the matter of internalizing that, so that God be in our mind and heart and soul and our strength. We love him with all our mind and heart and soul and strength. Now, the scribe then goes to point out how true this is. There's Hosea 6.6, 6, which points that out. Better example is, now, if you ever saw a trot for an exam, you know, copying something on your, your wrist for the exam, here it is right here, Isaiah, Isaiah 58. So could I recommend during the week, you look up Isaiah 58, starting the third verse, going on to seven, eight, or nine. And people are saying, why doesn't God listen? And God is saying your burnt offerings and so on are not the point. What I would like is something different. What I want rather is you set free the oppressed and re release those bound unjustly, breaking every yoke, sharing your bread with the hungry and sharing with the oppressed and the, the homeless, clothing the naked when you see them and not forgetting your own. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your vindication shall go before you like the glory of God. Isaiah 58, what could be better than that? And that's the way, that the way and the truth of the life Christ the Lord points to us, the path to take. We can get caught up in little things. We could say our predecessors did that, but we do too. And so Christ, Christ in a sense cuts the Gordian knot gets all that confusion and misdirection out of the way. That focus on small things, that making appearing religion, religious nonsense as pure religiosity, and as we say it now, pharisaical, although there were good Pharisees, can be a bit unfair, and then getting right to the point of loving God and loving, in turn, our neighbor. He cuts to the essentials. Now, we sometimes cut to the essentials ourselves, we're busy, we have so many things to do. But of course, you wait for it. Our way of cutting the essentials is to throw neighbor and God overboard. <laughs> Just look out for what we want to do. That's not quite the trick. That is not quite the trick. Because when we do that, when we take life according to our own narrow, dark lights, we live in a narrower and a more cramped, and a more cramped world. I often think, have you ever been given a tour in England of a, of a home that was built a thousand years ago and the people were shorter, perhaps malnutrition or whatever else, and uh, perhaps they didn't have 30 options for cereals. That must have been it. And so everyone, you go through the place and you're bent over. Even if you're not particularly tall, you're bent over. Well, that's what our homes, our lives, our ways are like when we're left to ourselves alone. We're cramped down and we live in a house narrower than it should be. Our lives are a narrow and crabbed thing. Whereas much as coming into a church, we come from all the hustle bustle and worry of the world. We come into finally as people of faith, 
to throw all our troubles onto the Lord's shoulders and let God be God. We don't have to worry ourselves about making the sun rise tomorrow. We leave it to the Lord. And all our worries about, can you imagine a grad student here with a mother dying in Asia? How can they ever go ahead and focus? It's very difficult. But if they pray for their mother, and we join with them in doing that, and they throw their care, they entrust, it, they entrust her to the good Lord. What a marvelous, how that yoke suddenly becomes lighter because of him who bore our yoke. Because of him who bore our yoke. And the reason we trust God for our lives and our future and to live in a bigger space, much as like this church, is because we were God's idea in the first place. We weren't our own idea, even though we try to make ourselves in that narrow and crabbed image. We were God's idea in the first place. Who better to know what we're here for and what life is about than the Lord God who made all the people whom we love and all the things that are, and yes, even us as well. Why not trust him to understand what life is for and about and how we're to lead it and how we're to lead it best of all. And then to be open to that and to be filled with God's warmth and confidence in prayer because we simply leave it to God and not assume that our worry will work, that our worrying more will help, but rather our trusting and praying and then setting our shoulder to the plow and doing our work, not avoiding that, but trusting for the outcome to God. Besides trusting God, Christ also points out the love of neighbor. To love one another, to be good, to be kind, to be caring. Again, not religiosity, not display, not saying stay warm and well fed and then walking away as the epistle to James warns us against the nonsense of that. But genuinely to reach out and genuinely to befriend others. And as I always try to remind you and remind myself, to let others befriend us. To love God and let God love us. To love others, but also to let them to let them love us. Now that line that Christ uses, Leviticus 19.18, I use that as a mnemonic in two different ways. The first way, I think of the Great War. It had finally in 1918 come to an end. And the way it captures the commandments, doesn't it? That aspect, twofold aspect of the commandments, the sins of commission, stop killing people, stop stealing, stop doing horrible things. What doctors use as their premier rule in the midst of doing good, first do no harm. Have a person coming from your hands, not worse but better. That's something we need. First, do no harm. But then there's the other matter, our sins of omission, which we rarely address, and they're often greater in number and greater than in degree. Our sins of omission. And I have a great mnemonic in Leviticus 19.18. Do you know what it is? My dear mother was born in 1918, so I think of her. And I don't mean for you to think of my mother, I mean, I'm trying to get you to think of yours. I'm trying to get you to think of your mother and your father and all that they could have done with the income they had and the money they had and the gifts they have and how instead they shared them with you and how they could have spent all their worry and concern on themselves but they focused their concern and their love on each of you and on all of us in turn and to learn from their marvelous example the love of God and the love of neighbor. Of course, your example, what I just point out, we're talking about love of God, and here are all of you in church. God bless you. And then I look out and I know you. 
and I know all the good you do. I've heard stories of your parents and the difference they've made for each of you, the marvelous difference they've made. I also think of people, if you look in the uh, bulletin, I was asked to write that with Father, for Father Kelly, who's away for a much-deserved break, all the things he's done for our welfare, good Father Kelly. And so I had to put something in, so I show a picture of the uh, North End dinner that Ethan put together. There's photos of that. And then there's a photo of Josh Shutter. Josh Shutter is finishing his PhD in chemistry. He has his defense on November 2nd. So do you know who we're all gonna be praying for on Tuesday, November 2nd? Josh Shutter. Are we there? Let's say it again. For Josh Shutter. Tuesday, November 2. And he, uh, think of it, he was our, he did the calendar for the grad schools, which is almost impossible with all this, like a, you know, you're running railroads where trains can crash into each other. He also uh, start, started the theology seminar group. He would help with the Thursday dinner when no one would else, else would step up to the plate. He would make sure a hundred things worked. And he would also, for people who were here alone, grad students or young professionals, would himself organize a Thursday dinner, sorry, a Thanksgiving dinner in the student lounge. In the midst of this, he worked on the uh, pollution in the air, the chemistry of the air, crucial now with CO2, something Arrhenius predicted back in 1896, we've only decided now to begin to pay attention to. And he went almost to exactly the South Pole. He was in a South Korean ship where at the end he was the only one who spoke English. And then he worked up back in his homeland, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota area, studying the trees and what the air was like and what they generated to come to understand that one of the crucialest things that we have to consider now. We're grateful for his science. We're grateful for his heart. We're grateful for the hearts of our parents. We're grateful for each of you and your good heart and all of us. For the Lord God. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.